Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I want to speak to something really quick um, that, that really has come up in this area of endurance and exhaustion. Anybody exhausted? Yeah, good. You're in the right place. So um, I was just thinking a lot on this line. Uh, my dream at one point in my life was to be an ultra marathoner, mainly because I'm not fast. But I always, when I ran cross country, I said, if you make the race long enough, I will win after I run past all your dead bodies. Because I don't stop. I don't stop. I'm not fast. And my whole line was, I have the slowest start in history, but as a result, nobody passes me. Right? <laughs> um, I, uh, I remember... Um, I have, you know, um, uh, a buddy of mine who's a long distance runner. He found out I was running again. I'd only been running for a couple weeks, maybe one or two miles. And he goes, hey, let's go running. I didn't realize what that was. Guys, who are my competitive guys? Yeah, yeah. He had something in plan. So we went for a run and I'm just running with him. He's like a gazelle. He's like this skinny. He's just loping along, you know, and I'm, boom, 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 boom. I'm a tank. We're just going and going and going and going and going, and he keeps looking at me. Finally, he calls it quits. I later realized we'd run 13 miles. He thought I would die. He was hoping I would die. I didn't know that I was supposed to die, so I didn't die. I didn't know where the, end, the, the, the finish line was, so I just didn't quit. You know, it's interesting, uh, some of you may have heard, there's a guy by the name of Cliff Young. In 1983, he came out for his full sh- first ultra marathon, and he showed up at the starting line in Sydney, Australia, and uh, they laughed at him. He was 61 years of age, he was a potato farmer, and he showed up wearing work boots, gum boots, and overalls. 544 miles later, when he arrived in Melbourne, winning hours ahead of anybody else, they weren't laughing. Why? Nobody had any idea what to do with this guy. You know why? When they said, why did you win? You weren't the fastest. He said, I never stopped. I never stopped to sleep. I just never stopped. Because you're out on the farm, you just don't stop. You don't stop. You don't stop. One of the things the Lord said to me over and over again, he said, Peter, if you don't quit, you win. Anybody been tempted to quit? Nobody? Today? This morning? You're lying in bed when the alarm went off and you're like, I quit, right? No, no. The thing about it is, if you don't quit, you win. Why? Because it's not our victory, but his victory we are in. But anybody found that sometimes in the going, things get squirrely. I was hearing uh, the story of another ultra marathoner. He ran his first ultra marathon without really doing more than a marathon. And by the way, ultra marathons are like 100 mile plus. And this was, I think it was Western States, which is particularly evil. Look it up. It's great. Bottom of Death Valley to the top of Mount Whitney. Anyway, in like 24, 25 hours. Anyway, and 147 miles. Anyway, so he's, he's running this, and around mile like 120, he's running with his wife. He starts to hallucinate. And the guy was at interviewing, he said, how bad was it? He said, well, I thought my wife was a witch, and she was trying to put a spell on me. And so he hid in the cave. <laughs> Finally, his buddy lured him out and said, I got a cookie. 
and they lured him out to the finish line. Doesn't that sound like somebody in the Bible? If you guys have Bibles, go to 1 Kings chapter 19. You guys remember Elijah? Remember just that mighty man of valor? I mean, he had done a marathon. He had gone into the wilderness three years by himself. For some of you, that's like called a vacation. The introverts are like, here I am, send me, right? The extroverts are like, no, just kill me now, right? No, so he's there and then, but because, because he probably was an introvert, then Jesus did the worst thing and he sent him to live with a widow and her son. <laughs> Anybody here, as a, you're like a guest for like three days and you're like, no, I can't do it anymore, Right? Anyway, but then finally he hears the word of the Lord to go back to the king. He says, king, we're going to do this. And they have this great uh, confrontation on Mount Carmel. They have this confrontation where 400 prophets of Baal are trying to call down fire. Doesn't work. He, Elijah, takes water and soaks the altar and calls out to God and fire descends. What? Like this is, who here, when you're dreaming of the breakthrough, you want something straight out of Marvel Comics? Like he got the Marvel Comics ending, like Shazam! And then he went all like psycho and killed 400 uh, prophets with his bare hands. Um, And uh, everybody's standing there going, right, right? Anyway, and so he has this incredible like, oh my gosh, he's been at this for three years and he's been going after it. And here he is, he has the moment. But the thing doesn't turn out like the way he thought. He had already faced what? He faced a king, faced 400 crazy prophets. He faced a famine. He faced, you know, death. He raised the the son of the, the widow woman up from the dead. He faced so many things. And then he hears this one thing. He hears this. Now Ahab told Jezebel, the queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 1 of 19 so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. Okay, she's sending him a dirty note. She's sending him an email. She's, he's faced all this. And let's see what an email can do to him. May the gods deal with me if I be it ever so. Which gods? You mean the gods I just showed are nothing? Right? Be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid. Why do you think Elijah was afraid after all these other things he had faced? What do you think? He got tired. Tired. So let me ask you a question. What makes us tired? Okay, okay, it depends on who you are. So yeah, yeah, so you talk about you. So stress? When you don't see what you were waiting for, like... Yes, 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 uh, uh, disappointment, we'll call that. Disappointment. It doesn't look like what you want, when you want, or how you want. Anybody here, like, he got, only one of those three can be missing, you get disappointed, yeah. Yeah, exhaustion, exhaustment, I don't know what that is. Exhaustion, yep, yeah. uh-huh, burnout, just too long. What else? Hope deferred, got it. One second, I hear another one. Hope deferred, come on. Yep, what's that? Losing faith in God. That's, that I think is huge. What causes us to lose faith in God in that? Losing faith, not trusting. Why don't we trust? 
Faith. No trust. No results. Now, no results. This goes back to that whole thing, right? What am I expecting? I'm expecting what I want, when I want, and how I want. Now, now some of you guys are more spiritual, so you've done this a few more times. Anybody had it where you got what you want, when you want, but not how you want, and you complained? Or anybody here got what you want, but how you want it, but not when you want, and you complain? Anybody here gotten, well, you didn't get what you want, but it came when and how. Like you're waiting on the Lord for a breakthrough, and the breakthrough comes, and you're like, no, no, uh-uh, not that, not that, right? You know, Balaam got a word from the Lord. Anybody waiting on a word for the Lord? He got the word for the Lord from his donkey. Donkey. Right? Now, like, seriously? This isn't Shrek. What in the world? Like, I don't get words from donkeys. Right? What, when, how? This is really important because this disconnect is going to cause me to what? Disengage faith, be, not trust, and therefore back away. And actually be unable to see the results when they happen. Were there big results in Elijah's life? Bigger results than it happened in generations. But it wasn't enough. If what God gives you isn't enough, is the problem on God's side. It's not a trick question. I know you don't want to say yes. It's, you don't want to say it's not on his side. But... If the, if the answer he gives is not enough, is the problem on God's side? <laughs> Honesty, thank you. No, it's not. Okay, let me try this again. This is really important. This is your chance to belly up to the bar. If the answer doesn't come how I want, when I want, and exactly what I want, is the problem on God's side? No. Okay, you've got to own that. You gotta own that because this is that narrow way. If you don't pass through this narrow space, as long as you still stand saying, I want what I want, how I want, when I want, guess what? You're gonna stay on the outside in, in fear, disappointment, frustration. Because what was the automatic result of exhaustion? Fear. Do you know what fear is? Fear says all these things have the ability to rob me of my joy, steal my peace, crush me, right? The automatic result of exhaustion will be fear if you and I do not lay it at the feet of Jesus. But aren't you glad that Jesus is good to us? So I love, I love, Elijah comes up with a one-step plan. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Who are my runners? You're like, run away, right? Like that's your, that's your go-to. Listen, he is running away. Is he running to God? Now, some people say he ran, he ended up in God, but David put it this way. Even if I make my bed in hell, there you are. So that's the great thing about running. You can run. You always run into Jesus. Anybody found Jesus in the weirdest places? You're like, you shouldn't be here. Like, this isn't the, I don't think you're allowed here, right? No, even in hell, he's like, hello, Right? Where are you going to hide? Honestly, that is why hell is hell to the devil, because there's nowhere he can be king. Because even there, God's like, hi, what you doing? I'm trying to be king here. Get out! Right? Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Come on. Come on. Who are my people? When it gets bad, you run and you quit answering the phone. 
<laughs> yeah, you're like, no, no, you will not encourage me. Anybody have a friend who is trying to encourage you and you just took him out at the knees? <laughs> you will not. You will not. I'm done with you. This kind of, this kind of toxic encouragement I don't need. <laughs> I love it. I love it. By the way, there was only one thing in the garden God said was not good. Do you guys remember? What was it? Man being alone. By the way, that's women too. Maybe more so, ladies. You know what I'm talking about, right? No, it's not good for man to be alone. But when I isolate, Proverbs says, I seek my own desires and my desires are right. Because my desires told me what, when, and how. But he isolates. So, so, so we see Elijah making a lot of good decisions. Aren't you glad that me making per- bad decisions doesn't exclude me from God's grace? Anybody? Anybody really glad you're on that plan? The g- grace plan. All right, let's see what he does. He said, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Okay. Have you guys seen the wilderness like out there in Israel? It's a wilderness. Like, it's nothing. It is horrific. And he's going into one of the driest, harshest deserts in the world, the Negev. He goes and where is he going? He's not going anywhere. He's running from something. An idol is anything that can tell me what to do. And in this case, fear is making him run from his destiny, run from his purpose, run from his recent breakthrough, run from relationship, run, run, run. And he doesn't even have a plan. He is running into his own death. He is literally running into suicide. Why? Because it's probably the only place he feels powerful. Well, he went, O'Day's journey, he came to a broom bush, which you know what a broom bush is? Like a bunch of brooms? No. It, it, it's just a huge thing. It's all brushy. It, it has very little um, shade, but a little bit. It's the only shade that's out there. And he sat down under it, and he prayed a deeply spiritual prayer. That he might die. Anybody? Come on. Come on. I cannot tell you the number of people who have confessed to me. Oh, my gosh. I haven't, like, I haven't, I'm not saying I'm suicidal, but if God wants to take me, I'm good with that. You are in Elijah's boat, okay? No shame, no shame. Let me say this, let me put it another way. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, we were so, under so much turmoil and torment that we despaired even of life. This is Paul talking about it. Anybody feel convicted, not convicted, ashamed of despair? Anybody? No? Okay. But even Paul had despair. Elijah's in despair. It doesn't disqualify you from God meeting you. Praise God. So he said, he sat down under the tree and he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Dude, what did he do? He saw God show up in a way none of his ancestors had done. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep, hoping he wouldn't wake up. Aren't you you glad that God doesn't answer all of your prayers? You know, in the words of Garth Brooks. All at once, 
An angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Why do you think the angel, he was waiting on a word from God. Do you think get up and eat fell into his what, when, how? Tracking with how Elijah's attitude has been, what do you think his attitude was when the angel woke him up? Mad, leave me alone? Well, first of all, what was his last prayer? Let me die. You won't even let me die. Because I know best for myself. What if God knows what we need, when we need it, how we need it? What if God knows what we need, when we need, how we need it? What if disappointment is revealing where I'm out of sync with God? But I submit to you where I'm out of sync with God, I can't partner with God to see the breakthrough God wants to bring. What if my disappointment is revealing where I'm out of sync with God? It's not, because Elijah has come up with a whole story about what happened, right? What do you think the story Elijah tells himself about this whole thing? I did all this for you. What other stories do you think Elijah is telling himself? Um, You don't care, God. I did this for you. What are you going to do for me? He, I'm done. I cannot do this alone. God's like, finally. <laughs> right? What else? I'm alone, nobody cares. I'm alone, nobody cares. Why are you doing this to me? Who, come on, people. Why are you doing this to me? You got a whole university, universe of people to, to make suffer. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah, Elijah has a story he's telling himself, and he want, has huge big questions. He's banging on the wall, but God's not going to answer his big questions, is he? Why, is, why do you think God's not answering his big question, but telling him, eat and drink? What do you think? He's asking the wrong question. Huh? He's not ready for the answer? Oh, I already told you? I did. Come on. God, like, sometimes we are, we have got to be willing to surrender our questions to actually get his questions, to be able to receive his answers. Because God's always giving an answer, but it's the answer to the question we need to be asking, not necessarily the question we're asking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who here is asking a question of God and getting no answer? 95% 95% of us? Okay, okay, blink twice. People are like, yeah, no, no. Most of us have questions we're asking that are not getting answers. Could it be that we're not asking the question God is answering? Would you like to get a question that God would answer? Because the, I submit to you, when we get the answers, we get the question God is, is answering, then we receive his answers and we go from glory to glory. But oftentimes, anybody have questions that are super, super, super big? God breaks them down in bite-sized things. 
If a child asks a question like, God, uh, Dad, Dad, what's an atom? You're a first grader. What good dad is going to go, well, first of all, we need to start with Heisenberg uncertainty principle. And if you understand the location of electrons that are in a cloud field, is this going to help? No. But a good father knows what we can handle, what we can process in little bite-sized chunks to bring us to a place of understanding. But that takes me trusting my father has my best in mind. So here's the deal. The answer God gives, so Elijah's praying a prayer, let me die, and God says, no. So he gets an answer, right? Is that the answer he wants? No. By the way, telling God what to do doesn't work very well. Have anybody found that to be true? Anyway, so, so the next thing is, but God gives him a command. And what does Elijah do? No, I'm not going to do it. Does he do that? No. He eats and drinks. How does God rebuild trust with Elijah? He gives him something small to do, and, and Elijah does it. If you want to rebuild trust with God, it starts with small steps of obedience. Not God proving himself. Who here is waiting for God to prove himself? Okay, just me? No, seriously, don't you have some areas you're like, God, show up now. Prove that you are God. If you're really good, you will do X, Y, Z. Right? I think it's all of us. Can we be honest? On some level, we're like, if you're God, do this. But what does he do? He instead, actually, by the way, if you're the son of God, sounds like somebody else, by the way. I just realized that. <laughs> I've been over in Satan's camp. That's awkward. Right? If you're the, no, but, but what is this, this moment when I'm standing here and I'm like, God, God, I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry. I'm so broken. I don't know what to do. But God will, and I don't even trust you. You know my favorite prayer in the Bible? I believe, help my unbelief. A better word for belief, you've probably heard me say a thousand times, is trust. I trust, help my inability to trust. And Elijah takes the first baby step of rebuilding trust with God. See, here's the problem. If I, if God, if my trust of God has been broken, whose fault is it? People are like, I know it's not God. I know, I want to say it's God, but it's not God. I know it's not God, but I don't want to say it's me, right? But the reality is if trust is to be rebuilt, it begins with small steps of obedience. And the first thing is laying down our huge question and saying, God, I want to learn to trust you again. So he gives him... And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and then lay down again. God didn't say get up. He's not doing much better, but he has a little bit of trust. Anybody here taking a test more than once? Okay, okay, three of us, three of us. Why do we take tests multiple times in the kingdom? Because you flunk them? Because you failed the first one? Yeah. Any, anybody try, like failed the test and ran away to somewhere else and tried to take the, and then found you had to take the test again? 
relationships, anybody? Anybody Anybody found the exact same personality type everywhere you went? You left one job and had the same boss at the next job and the next job? He is so loving and kind, he will not let us escape because he knows that we need breakthrough at this level to be able to step in to the fullness. He is promising us. He really is promised. He's not playing hard to get, but he knows that we must be transformed to be able to receive the things he promises. We're like, give me this. Anybody, you prayed for something desperately earlier in your life and you later were like, thank you, God, you didn't give it to me then because it would have killed me. Yeah, he knows, he knows. He says, he hears the cry of our hearts. I need this. And he goes, great, then let me change you. Let me change you. Let me give you baby steps to change you to be ready to receive the promise. So Elijah's goal, Elijah, the call on Elijah's life, as he said, is revival, radical Israel being affected and transformed and coming to God. And he says this, he, so, and, and he believes it's over, one and done. He looked around and by his head where he ate and drank and lay down. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. Elijah's like, finally, God gets how hard it is for me. Anybody want sympathy? So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. What's the food? The food of obedience. If I'm obedient to God, he will strengthen me for the journey. Anybody exhausted? If you and I want to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, like David did, we must do what? We must obey. Little steps of obedience. Contrary to desire, his desire is to lie down and die. Instead, he rose up and ate, which is exactly opposite of what he said. So he got up and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights. That's a good strength right there. That must have been some real, like, energy bars. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Anybody had that experience with God? You're like, what you doing? (laughs) I probably think at this point, this is the first time Elijah has asked that question of himself. What am I doing here? Like, I didn't have an exit plan. I didn't have an idea. I just was running. But God meets him there. Why do you think God is asking him this question? Do you think God's confused? Why do you think God's asking him this question? Make him think, right? When God asks a question, it's to give us understanding. And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. That would be you. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Who are my people? Like, you know this song. Like, you're like, I have different words in my verse, but I know this song. Can I submit to you that this song has all the answers in it, doesn't it? It says... It says what happened, it says who I am, it says who's at fault, and it says the end of the story, we're all going to die, right? If you have all the answers, can you receive an answer from God? 
If I want answers from God, I need to be willing to lay down my answers. Notice what what God says. God doesn't argue with him. He does what? He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. What does he give him? He's talking to God. Why would he have to go outside? Because he gives us a small step of obedience to draw us out of where we're stuck. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. We're talking here. I don't need to move. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Whoa. And then the wind, after that, the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Do you guys remember? What happened before when he called down, what did he call down? Fire. Fire. God showed up in fire. This is what he'd been dreaming of, the Marvel Comics ending. Right? Who here... When you dream of the breakthrough, you, how, how, what does it look like? looks like something out of a comic book, doesn't it? And then I say, and then she says, and then babu. Uh-huh. Nobody? Anybody here, you fantasize about the ending. Guess what? That is not what's going to happen. You and I, if you and I can fantasize about it, that's not what's going to happen. How do I know? Because his plans, the things he has for us, are better than we can ask, think, or imagine. I like to think of it this way with Jesus. I don't like to think about it. Actually, I don't like thinking about this. This is how he likes to think about it with me. He, I go, oh, it's going to be like this. He was like, check that one off. Any others we want to remove from the list? If you and I can imagine it, it probably won't happen that way. I'm not going to say absolutely because God can do what he wants. I just found that in my life, if I can imagine it, that's not how it's going to go down. Because my imagination becomes a straitjacket. And even, and so God's like, I need to do something more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I need to do something different because otherwise you might think you did it. And then a great, and so here's this fire. So it's not in the fire. It's not in the way he expected. And and the other thing is God never repeats himself anyway. But it says, and then after the fire came what? A gentle whisper. Who here, when you're crying out to God, what you want is a gentle whisper? Said nobody ever, Right? Does anybody, that's like what you're really looking for? I just want a gentle whisper. No, because what's in my life is doing what? Screaming. So I need something louder, you know? Sing a little louder, right? I'm just like, I'm drowning out those things. So, So what? So the gentle whisper can come in. See, I sing over loud. I speak over those things, but so I can hear the gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. I have a question for you. Do you see a problem? Where was Elijah when all this was going down? He was still in the cave. What did God said to do? (laughs) Aren't you glad that even imperfect obedience, God can meet us? Even delayed obedience, he can meet us. So he finally goes out and goes, my bad. 
Obedience says, not my will, but yours be done. Not my plan, not the way I had it figured out. I lay it down. And he goes out and he says, the voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Sound familiar? Why does God repeat himself? Because we didn't get it the first time. Does Elijah get it the first time? The second time, no. How do we know Elijah didn't get it the second time? It's the same thing. Nothing's changed. Who here is encouraged? I'm encouraged. This encourages me so much. Because I've done this. I've done this very thing. And God's like, let's start again. Okay. Uh, and then another key. Like, I don't know. Like, like he, it's okay. But he made a small baby step of obedience. He stepped outside the cave. He stepped out of where he'd been hiding. He stepped out of that place. He said, and the Lord said, go back. Anybody see a thing? How is God answering all of his questions? With what? A command. Obedience. I'm not done. I didn't stutter. I'm not finished. I'm not going to talk. I've got really bad news for all of us. You know all that whining? God doesn't talk to whiners. He doesn't. Who here? Who here has gotten God to dialogue with you and you're whining in a meaningful way? No, he won't dialogue with your whining. He'll talk over it with a gentle whisper while I'm yelling. Are you done yet? No. Go back the way you came. What's the problem? Anybody? Who are my people? What's, what's wrong with this if I'm Elijah? That's where I ran from. No, no, no. That's why I ran. Don't take me back to those people. They're mean. Don't make me have to talk. I don't want to take that test again. Go back the way you came. It's embarrassing. Man, I'm all up in my own business. You can worry about yourself. I'm, I'm repenting hardcore with this. Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Right idea, wrong desert. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, the king of Aram. He's the, he's the enemy of Israel. That doesn't make any sense. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Mehalah to succeed you as a prophet. So what, what's going on here? He says, he says, Jehu will put to death any who escape with the word of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death. Wow, this is exciting. You want everybody to die? All right, here we go. But here's what's happening. But he, listen, he finally answers this question. Yet there's been 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. What is he saying? He said, no, you're not alone. That's a lie you're believing. He finally answers the, the question of Elisha. Isn't that great? But what does he tell him to do? He says, quit doing it alone. Go get you, Elisha. Quit doing it alone. He gives him something to do to re, re-up on his destiny, submit to the word of the Lord. He tells him, don't quit doing it alone. And also, by the way, you're not that special. <laughs> Who here feels really special in your patheticness? In your problems? Nobody? You know what I'm talking about? 
Nobody has ever gone through it just like this. I'm, I think Brent said it for us among the men. Sorry, I shouldn't say things that happen at men's night, but he was so good. He said, we all think we're unique in our mess up, in our situation. And it's so true. We're not unique. No trouble or trial or test or temptation has taken us, but such as is common to who? Everybody. First thing we got to remember is we're not special. This is something we all face. Second thing is I've got to be willing to lay down my question, my whining, my my whole thing. The, The what, when, how. And the third, thing, the third thing is I need to, so the, what was the first thing? Anybody? This is a test, by the way. There's going to be a test outside those doors, but you guys remember? What was the first thing? The first thing? Huh? Obey. Obey. Actually, that's, that's a little further down, but we'll, go, we'll do it again. All right, here we go. The, there's a good, you, you guys, there's, this is serious. So the first thing is I have to surrender my question. Surrender the question. I have to lay it down. My scenario, my understanding, I have to surrender that. The second thing is he's going to give me a, a small step of obedience. Baby steps. The third thing is not to do it alone, but invite others to your battle. Do you know what happened? By the end of Elijah's, Elijah's life, there are now schools of prophets. There's, it, the, the fundamental fabric of Israel and Judah has changed forever. Do you know what? You know what? Uh, um, Elijah was all in on Israel being changed. Israel was never changed. But because of Elijah's ministry, Judah was changed. And because Judah was changed, they were able to partner and be the the country that actually brought the Messiah to earth. He had a different, he was confused about where his calling was. So let me ask you this. Do you know the question or the complaints or the whining that you need to surrender? Do you know what it is? Now, here's the problem with that. Do we complain about things that don't matter? No, we're complaining about really important stuff, aren't we? Do we have a lot of evidence of why it's so bad? Who's got the dossier? Yeah, you got the dossier. Do you have reason not to trust God because he didn't come through what, when, and how you expected? Anybody? Yeah, honest. Come on. Not my will, but yours be done. I lay it at your feet. Second thing is, God, what do you want me to know about this and what do you want me to do with it? Small obedience. Not huge thing all at once. Small obedience. And the third thing is, who do you want me to invite to my battle to walk this out with? Iron sharpens iron. I would submit... This is God's answer to exhaustion and fatigue. Do you know the worst miles of a marathon? 21 through 26. Why do you think those are the worst miles of the marathon? 
It's really simple, by the way. It's the end, right? It's the end. Here's the problem. Most marathoners have run many, many, many marathons in their practice. But in actual marathons, they make mistakes. They, they, they try to run as fast as other people, chase the rabbits. They, the, the conditions are different. There's something they don't expect. They don't plan their energy just right. There's a lot of emotion involved. And they find that somewhere between mile 20 and 22, they hit a wall. And they have to, they have to decide, does my body and my emotions, are those the things that make decisions? Or does my will? Guys, our body and emotions will always fail in the battle. And it's the moment where I say, I believe, help my unbelief, where God enters into my battle and brings me across the finish line. Because here's the deal. If you and I lay down and die, we don't win, do we? But if we continue in the fight, we will win. Because in him, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Come on. All right. Well, listen, guys. Now's your chance. As the worship team comes, this is our moment. This is our moment to lean in. This is our moment to say, not my will, but yours be done. This is our moment to lay it at the foot of the cross. Everything, you know, like I said, Paul said, I don't consider these light and momentary troubles to be worthy of being compared with the glory. And I, and I told you what kind of troubles he faced. Shipwreck, being stoned and left for dead, beatings, false accusation, false imprisonment. And he said, none of that is worthy of being compared with the glory that's being revealed. Let me tell you, as we stand, let's lay all of our stuff at the feet of the cross and say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Speak a better word in your name. Amen. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.